Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 99. Only one more to go till we get to the century mark. I am John Davis, and joining me today are our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Hey there. Our writer, producer, two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Hello. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. Hey, everybody. And we do have our lightning round, and we'll be answering a viewer question later on. But first, here are the cars we're going to cover in this podcast. Uh, we're going to take a look at the 2015 BMW M3 and M4, the 2015 Chevrolet Camaro Z28, the 15 Alfa Romeo 4C, and the 15 BMW i8, the gullwing sports car that everyone's talking about. And also a car that we're testing right now in the office, and we're going to start there, the 2014 Mini Cooper Hardtop. And let's go around the table. Now, I, you know, for truth and disclosure here, I have a 2002 Mini Cooper Hardtop, very much outfitted like the car we had in uh, for testing. And that is that it's an automatic, it's a standard Cooper, even has pretty much the same color. Um, what do you guys think of the Mini? You haven't has you've had exposure over the years to all the changes, but this is really the most new Mini since the 2002 one. Yeah, it's gotten bigger, a little more functionality, uh, but uh, still remains what it's always been—a fun to drive, overpriced, uh, cool-looking car. <laughs> well, you know what? I can't disagree with you on the last part. I mean, this particular one we have, which admittedly has got navigation and very, very nice sports seats in it, it's thirty-three thousand dollars. Yeah, it's, it's not an S. territory. Yeah, yeah, that's hard to uh, that's hard to stomach right there. But, but what about driving? The uh, that three cylinder engine was very impressive. Let's talk about that a little bit because um, while we've seen three cylinders and a few other vehicles, this is a new engine. It's got twin balance shafts. It's uh, obviously BMW developed. It's going to be used in other BMW engines. Were you surprised? Well, it is. It's it's a new engine, but technically it is. It's just the I six cut in half, really. Correct. Right? Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm really shocked by how well it performs. Uh, it actually sounds pretty decent, which I had some concerns about. And um, it actually shows up in the i8, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, really no problems with uh, in this particular car. I mean, it really get up, gets up and goes. Yeah, it has a, a decent zero to sixty of about seven seconds. It doesn't have long legs, but around town it seemed fine. Brian, yeah, off the line you wouldn't know it's a three cylinder. It feels uh, plenty peppy, and uh, yeah, like uh, Greg said, it sounds cool. Uh, yeah, no complaints. Did anybody notice? And I didn't notice this when I drove it at the uh, launch, uh, for the press launch. It has a little bit of a dieseling-like yeah. sound or aspect to it. A little, little different. Yeah, I definitely caught that. Yeah, all the direct injection stuff now seems to be uh, going that way. They sound very diesel-like. Uh, what, were you, what was your take on the moving the speedometer to uh, behind the wheel <laughs> off the center? Well, <laughs> I guess because I have a 2002, which was a closer copy to the old original Mini than, than I guess this one is, I sort of nostalgic don't like it. Uh, it makes it less um, unique on the interior. On the other hand, 
it now puts it in front of the driver, so you're actually going to see it, where you don't. You had to glance essentially away from straight ahead of you to well, see. They, it before. they still have the ginormous circle in the right. dash, right? Right, that's now still it even there. Has but less of a purpose. Which, well, it, well, it with does. the ambient lighting, it can yeah. be a giant Ooh. tachometer. Now. You mean yeah. the uh, the mood ring lighting around yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's an <laughs> interesting. But I was surprised for. You said what was ours? Thirty three, and that was yeah. probably top of the line. Yeah, surprisingly premium interior, very comfortable, very, very nice. Pleasant place to spend some time. Didn't didn't like the dark wood. I thought yeah, that it, was a little gimmicky. It looks like that's pa- shelf paper, but you know the the materials are nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely uh, stepped it up a notch there. But again, it's becoming more a lot of the BMW parts band stuff. So it's, well, you got an iDrive system. Yeah, yeah. iDrive is like right out of BMW. Yeah. I will say it is. Um, I felt the most comfortable in this mini than I mm-hmm. have in in previous minis. Um, one thing that I have a problem with and i think everybody, and else, t- everybody should know that greg's a tall guy yeah. <laughs> but um yeah back to the driving <clears throat> um i think everybody else had this problem the, the transmission seems a little bit clunky mm-hmm. and uh just doesn't seem to want to act in the way that i want it to it just seems like it takes a little bit too long now actually at the track it actually did well i mean when, it, when it's pushed it shifts quick, it shifts firm, but on the street when you're mm. going around a parking lot, it does seem kind of lazy. Yeah, awkward and lazy. Mm. I just, I, I think everybody else around the table agrees, but if yeah. someone disagrees, yeah. then I'll gladly I'll, argue with you. I'll put up with the awkwardness over the uh, the CVT that oh. was in the original one. Gosh, mm. yes. I mean, yeah. it's probably one of the worst CVTs ever done. All right, so let's move on for the mini. I think we generally, if we were giving a thumbs up or thumbs down, I think most of us would probably have a thumbs up. And here, the next car, we're going to stay with um, BMW. Actually, we were going to stay with BMW a lot on this particular podcast. Let's move on to the new um, M3 and M4. Uh, I'm sure most folks listening to the podcast know that the uh, 3 Series and the 4 Series are uh, basically separated now. Um, you know, the uh, 4s are now... Um, coupes and the threes are now sedans and don't ask me why but here we go so what do you think of the threes and fours um i just drove them out in uh wisconsin the other day and i gotta say i mean uh after driving m5 and m6 in the last year or so i was a little disappointed with those in the way that you couldn't really use the power it seemed like uh hmm. it was way too quick for the Traction control system. Traction yeah, had. it just it seems like you bogged could, you down every time you really got on it. Exactly. But this, the M3, I think, pretty much gives you all the power, and you're, it's actually accessible to pretty much any kind of driver. Um, this is the new power plant, so it's down to the i6 mm-hmm. twin turbo, two uh, mono scroll turbos, but you're up in horsepower to 425, and torque's also up um, pretty significantly at 406. A lot of people were kind of I guess weary or um, unsure of whether or not that turbo lag was going to be a factor, um, but really it's not. I mean, this thing it has a electronic wastegate, it has charge pressure control, so really you're getting the boost almost immediately. Has anybody really been complaining about turbo lag on a twin turbo engine? I mean, I I, I can't remember having a twin turbo in the last you know. Yeah, occasionally it pops up, but I mean they do so much with electronics and pre spooling now. It seems it's kind of a non-issue, but. Yeah. I don't know. It still pops up every once in a while. Did you think that this M3 and M4, let's concentrate on the M3 because that's the one that most people can identify with, 
Well, is it, uh, go on ahead. that point, I'll jump in. Oh, well, I mean, they kind of killed because it. of the coup. Yeah, they've killed it right. for me. I mean, the M3. I'm, I'm talking about the name wise, but yeah. you're right. Go ahead and you explain M3, it. it. That was the name. That and was, that was the a car, and it was a coupe. And then, oh yeah, well maybe you can get a sedan in some years too. But now it's M3 is sedan only, and M4 is the coupe. And uh, you tell somebody M4, they say what? Yeah, was that a new model? Yeah, like, no, it it's is. an M3. It's an M3 well, with they a don't make new, an M3. Oh new no, number on it. Yeah, it's so they've ruined it for me. Sorry. Okay. With that wow. said, Greg, since you drove it, did you? We used to complain. I mean, we love. We've always loved the M3s. But we would generally come away and say it's not a very civilized car. Is this a more civilized supercar? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we uh, actually, unfortunately, it was raining the entire time, so I only got a little bit of track time out there. Mm -hmm. But I was on the road for most of it, and it's absolutely civilized. I mean, I could see where somebody getting into a car who may not be a car enthusiast gets into an M3 and goes, oh, this is, this is bumpy, and, and I don't like this at all. But... I think if you're getting an M3 and you know what you're getting yourself into, it's absolutely um, it's it's fine to deal with on the street. I, at least I think so. I can deal with a little bit of a stiff ride, but it definitely doesn't beat you up. And then, I mean, you can track it whenever you want to, and it'll just rip the track up. How much have they differentiated the three from the four at all? Or just two less doors, really? I uh, mean, that's that's the, the this, only... this whole splitting, you know, even numbers for coupes and convertibles and odd for sedans. Just you know, I, I know where they're going. They say they're going to make like uh, the four series will be a full line of vehicles, but it just seems to me such proliferation for no real apparent gain. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's the other BMW we're going to talk about today, and I guess Greg, we're going to stick with you for a minute, <laughs> is the Greg. i8. It's going I've to be the Greg show today. Awesome. He's had a cool good cars. good month today. Now, I personally am jealous because I haven't driven the i8. I've sat in it. I've looked at it. But what's it like? Is it really the electric sports car? It's absolutely awesome. I was um, a little concerned when I got there. I uh, wasn't. I you know I'd heard all the hype about it, but I'm still thinking you know it's a hybrid. It's still going to feel like a hybrid. I know, and it's. I know that the supercars that just came out are hybrids, but you know those are a million dollar cars. This mm -hmm. is 135 thousand. But after about 10 minutes of driving it, it was really apparent that this could be the wave of the future. I mean, it's uh, the one point. Like I said before, it's that same three cylinder in the back, but you also got the same electric motor that's in the i3 mm -hmm. it's a it's all-wheel drive you can either get 100 percent torque to the front wheels or 100 percent to the back depending on what mode you're in there's eco you can go completely silent in electric mode for like 20 miles mm -hmm. or you can just go straight to sport and just keep everything running and you know going through on and drive it was absolutely ridiculous honestly i mean you uh, get into the thr throttle uh, coming out of a corner and just you get instant torque and Low center of gravity, I mean, that just equals fun. Do you think that a high, an advanced hybrid, plug-in hybrid with an engine backup makes more sense now that you've driven this supercar with it than, say, a pure electric? Do you think they're both going to have a place? I mean, you've, you've driven everything. And that's a question I get constantly. I think for the foreseeable future, this is the way to go because people still want to have that gasoline engine. Flexibility. Right. They just, you know, people in this generation grew up with gasoline engine cars. And, you know, maybe 50, 100 years down the road, I mean, that's way down the road, maybe electric engine, like people won't have that range anxiety. But for now, I think the plug-in hybrid 
um, is probably going to be the way to go for most people. The electric motor's on the front wheels, and the gas is in the back, right? Correct. And so it's they, really a rear engine right. car. And the electric motors never power the rear wheels and vice versa? Correct. They okay. only power the front wheels. That has a two-speed transmission, and then the uh, three-cylinder in the back is a six-speed. So it's not... It's not an eight-speed transmission. There's mm-hmm. there's separate gears up front. Or, I have a yeah, slight please. question. <laughs> Mainly for a, Greg. A slight question. Mainly for tall Greg. Mainly mm-hmm. for tall Greg because he's the only one who's driven it, and this might be a strange And the gullwing doors. But, no, they're not gullwing. We'll, we'll get uh, into that in a minute. Yeah. What they, do you they, think? they would call those like knife edge, I guess. Um, what do you think, like the I brand of BMW? You think that's... Viable. Yeah, exactly. Because... But so far, you've driven the i3 and the i8. And yeah, you, I have. You've impressed with both of them. Mm-hmm. So is the i brand for Well, BMW. now the i3 seems lame. Well, it's it's, it's not, but after driving the i8, you're like, but like is Yeah, but a, it's a whole <laughs> lot less money, too. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's four, it starts at like 47 grand. I mean, it's not a but, small I mean, chunk of change. It's still, it's, you can buy yeah, two of right, them or right. almost three. <clears throat> but yeah, but do you think the i brand for BMW is like legit like they're going to keep going with it or is this just like they're trying out stuff and maybe they'll throw it in a five series a seven series something like that uh after being on the event or on the event i feel like they are pretty much in for the long haul i really think they kind of invested yeah they're they're super serious about it and i think the i8 even more so than the i3 is going to bring awareness to the to the sub brand and because it really does i mean we were driving down the street and quite like Everybody was stopping to talk to us about well, this car. Dynamic looking. Yeah, vehicles. I mean, just and that's so looks are pretty much everything to most people. And when they see it, I mean, their jaws just drop. And that's gonna they're gonna be like, you know, what is that? And you say i eight, they're probably gonna go look up BMW's i sub brand. So talk to us about the doors because it is an unusual arrangement. They are actually a pillar hinge doors. That's so what they're more they like them. a knife edge, right? Door. And they didn't have it. That's actually a better name than what they had. They said they didn't have a name for it. Lamborghini's got scissor doors. <laughs> right. AMG or SLS has the gall wing. I call them like pec flex doors because it's like <laughs> trying to like flex your pecs. But I don't think that's going to catch on. But they were well, some of us don't know way more solid that. and uh, easy to use than. Uh, scissor doors and uh, so you didn't have any trouble getting in and out of it well i wouldn't say that it's still a little bit tough to get in but i'm just saying the actual doors the door mechanism works really well now the car's gotten some criticism before we move on to something else for maybe not being a real sporty drive by some other journalists you obviously don't agree with that oh yeah i don't see how you couldn't classify that as a sporty drive (laughs) all right I don't know. So maybe a, maybe so they a, were just an electric. So it's a mode true city, BMW, but. basically. Oh, for sure. Okay, uh, let's move on now to uh, a couple other sporty cars. We're going to save the uh, the Alpha for last. Let's uh, go to the Chevrolet Camaro. Well, actually, that's not because if we don't give somebody else a chance to talk here, <laughs> it's going to be the great show. Hey, I need to get another water here. Alpha Romeo Four C. Brian Robinson. Okay, yes, hits uh, showrooms this month. Uh, they've got like. 500 in the launch edition, uh, and then there'll be, I guess, I'm not sure how many more after that. Long-awaited, even though Alpha's already been selling the 8C here, it's kind of the long-awaited return of Alpha to the U.S. I've sat in it. A lot of us have seen it. Uh, What was it like to drive? Yeah, I was looking forward to driving. I wasn't sure what to expect from what I read. Everyone said it's like a Cayman fighter-type car, but um, it's not really that at all. It's like a mini Ferrari. It's like the... So Enzo and the Lotus Exige had a uh, love child. Uh, this would be it. It's huh. uh, weighs under twenty five hundred pounds. Uh, Mid engine, all carbon fiber tub, 
a lot of aluminum suspension. Uh, Looks like super, you can stick your hand out with the door opens and touch the ground, no problem. Yeah, super uh, <laughs> bare bones. I mean, there's no mm. nav, there's no backup cam. It's got are uh, they even manual options steering. Though? I mean, no, it's no, a real even, sports car. Yeah, that's Get cool. out of here with that. Yeah, the manual steering. It's, it's legit. It's got a tiny 1.7 liter engine. Uh, it's mounted mid, right behind your head, and you can hear everything going on at all times in the engine. There's like hardly any sound deadening. Um, a lot of people thought it was cool. To me, it got old real quick. I mean, if I was just going to do track days with it, I would love it. But, you know, we spent a lot of time on the road, too. It got pretty annoying to me. But <laughs> Talk to us about the steering a little bit because, I mean, there are a lot of people who have never driven a car with manual steering. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you notice it mostly at, like, parking lot speeds when you're trying to back into a parking space or something. But once you're rolling, I mean, the thing's so light and it wants to turn by itself. Uh, almost before you even turn the wheel, you don't even really notice it, especially at track speeds. I mean, it's heavy, but I mean, it's so quick and direct that I mean, I would I would have no problem living. living Besides with it. the sound, anything you didn't like about it? Um, well, it was funny because it looks super tight, but then when you get in, it's fine getting in. Mm-hmm. And in the driver's seat, there's plenty of room. In the passenger seat, however, there's like very little room. They got the the carbon fiber uh, tub really uh, cuts in in the front, hmm. and the dash uh, comes down real low, and there's like no leg room for the passenger. So, um, gosh, it sounds like an Italian kind of cars thing. of old. Yeah, and it makes no uh, like I say, it's not trying to be a Cayman at all. Uh, it's trying to be a legit sports car. And what do you think about that? Because it is being priced very similar to the the Cayman. Do you think that the only? I mean, who's going to buy it? Yeah, it's way. kind of surprising because I know Alpha's making this big return to the States and they're going to have like, what, eight models or something mm-hmm. in the next three years. I kind of, I think it's kind of odd that they would start with this one. I think they would try to maybe go more mainstream with their first car, but it'll, it'll certainly get people excited. I mean, we couldn't go anywhere without people uh, flagging us down, wanting to see it. It looks awesome. It looks almost like a mini 8C, but uh, even flatter and wider. When I sat in it at the auto show, I, I felt like I was in a throwback. Uh, I used to own a, a Di Tommaso Pantera many years ago, and it had manual steering. And, I mean, I'm looking around this thing and thinking, you know, this is not unlike what that car was. Uh, a lot better, I hope, than that car was. But I really felt like I was in a true sports car again. And there's not very many of those left. Yeah, it's uh, – well, on that vein, it's uh, only a dual-clutch transmission, mm-hmm. which a lot of people are griping about, no manual, but – uh, I These mean, days, they're faster. Yeah, and it's a Ferrari-based. It, almost all the high-tech stuff comes right from Ferrari and mm-hmm. Maserati, so um, it worked great. I thought I wouldn't have a problem uh, living with it. Even in auto mode, just tooling around the streets, felt fine. You can get an upgraded uh, muffler-free exhaust system, which, again, just adds more noise inside, but it sounds awesome outside <laughs> for a four-cylinder. <laughs> I mean, the thing sounds like a V8. When it's uh, under full throttle, pulling away. Okay, Greg and Patrick, uh, your thoughts on what you've seen of the car so far? Does it intrigue Questions. you? <laughs> uh, uh, it definitely intrigues me. Does it me. intrigue you? I mean, because you you have no history with Alpha. I have no history with Alpha, but I, from what I've noticed in my couple of years at Motor Week, people loved the MX-5 Miatas, mm-hmm. the uh, FRS and the BRZ. People loved those because they were bare bones, no nonsense sport cars. Uh-huh. So this seems in that similar vein, but just with a ton more advanced technology and a lot more engineering put into it, and then obviously a higher price. And obviously, Greg, once we've pried you out of the I-8, yeah. what do yeah, you think? I want to drive it. I mean, everything I read about it really excites me. Um, 
I want to drive something with mechanical power or mechanical steering, um, something that's super lightweight. And I did have a question though. Mm-hmm. Um, normally in these presentations, um, what were they saying? Expected sales figures? Did they mention any yeah, of that? They or? were. They they said they can make like seventeen of them a day or something. Mm-hmm. So you like you do the math, and that was kind of all they would say. <laughs> and but there's five hundred yeah. of the launch edition. Yeah, which yeah. are pretty, they're going to be pretty expensive. Yeah, they're going to be fully loaded. They're going to have like the track package. And all kind of stuff added on, so I'm sure they'll go quick, and uh, I'm sure it'll be, uh, I'm sure it'll do well for them. Which dealerships are they going to? They're just announced. They have 82 U.S. Mm-hmm. dealers coming to the U.S. Alpha by the end of the year. Yeah, they're mainly their current Fiat dealers are going to add Alpha, mm-hmm. uh, but then there'll be also some Maserati dealerships and some uh, other standalone dealerships. But yeah, that was the big announcements they they had at the event. Not sure I'd want to live with it on a daily basis. I mean, if you're going to use this as your daily driver, then I would definitely go for the Cayman. You get all the creature comforts that you uh, would want. But if you're just looking for a weekend canyon car or a track day car, for sure, this uh, four C's legit. So there you have the same basic formula, as you just mentioned, applied to a Camaro. And, of course, everybody that remembers the Z28 remembers that was basically a track car from mm-hmm. the day one. So, Greg, you drove it. I did drive it, and I had a blast driving it. It was um, better than I expected. I mean, I guess I, it seems like I go into these events thinking that the, all these cars are going to suck, but they don't. This <laughs> well, one, at least you go in with, with, a, with right. a good journalistic yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's sure. good. But they sure. definitely don't. I mean, this thing is pretty ridiculous. Um, trying to think. Yeah, like we said before, uh, AC is optional. And actually, one of the lead engineers on it, um, he just bought one. He didn't get AC in it. Well, I didn't get the extra speakers. I'll bet they'll be most valuable if you don't. He drove it all the way up from Houston to uh, Detroit and was like, yeah, I loved every second of it, which I kind of doubt. I'm thinking that was probably (laughs) hot. But no, I mean, it's it's obviously, you're not going to really notice that much. Uh, Also, the the carpeting, there's no carpeting in the trunk. So you don't really notice that. But it's just that kind of attention to detail that makes you interested in the car bigger things the ls7 uh, naturally aspirated 505 horsepower with a k&n cold air intake i mean well wasn't it the the original z28 basically was built for one reason that was to beat mustang it was it was a race car basically for the street and they've still got the same philosophy it seems like they really want to beat mustang here yeah And we're trying to take a little of the thunder away from the new Mustang. Yeah. Well, do you remember the Cobra R? Well, there's been many Cobra mm-hmm. R's, but the last one had the same totally mm-hmm. stripped out. But they, I thought they went even farther. I mean, you couldn't even get a radio in it. And uh, they took the rear seat out, which I was surprised. Yeah. They got the rear seat in the Z28. Yeah, yeah. Well, they I didn't mean, They didn't take it out, but I think they made it thinner. And it's like barely. It's a, it's essentially just like yeah. Velcroed in it's there. A, it's a luggage rack. Yeah, yeah it, it really seemed to is. Me they could have went a little farther on the. On what like do you mean? Weight. I mean, they took out the HIDs. You can't even get HIDs. <laughs> They're probably way lighter than, uh, <laughs> way less than regular halogens. And then the the thing they kept pushing was the uh, Pirelli Trofeos up front. They're three hundred fives in the front, Jeez. which is absolutely huge. It's meaty. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's tons of grip, and it was it was cool because I didn't want it to be out of control on the track. Like I wanted to be able to. Like I was talking to M3, uh, use that power, and you absolutely could. There's a bunch of different sports settings. Um, the fifth sports setting was my favorite. That lets you get away with the most, and you could whip the tail out if you wanted to, but um, really wouldn't let you get into too, too much uh, trouble. But, yeah, I mean, I told that thing all day around the track at Gingerman, and it was just really had a blast. 
Does it have like the faux carbon or not the faux carbon, the faux uh, suede steering wheel and shifter and all that? Like it still has that. Yeah, Yeah. it has the Recaro seats, which actually I think our one LE had Recaro seats. Mm -hmm. And they say because this is the Z28 is a one LE, and then they just strip Strip everything out. One LE. Yeah, so they didn't start with an SS. They started with a one LE. And um, yeah, but actually those Recaros were built were made for the Z28. They just showed up in the one LE. Um, before it, how much lighter is it? How it much do they strip It's three hundred pounds lighter okay. than a ZL one, and it's still thirty eight hundred pounds, which yeah. isn't mm. light, light. But I mean, three hundred pounds. That's not a light car, though. No. Period. Yeah. Under yeah. any circumstances. Yeah, but it is three hundred pounds lighter than the ZL one. I think it beat it. The ZL one on pretty much every track. I think it was like Nurburgring. Yeah, all the magazines are yeah. beating every car with it on every track they go to. So. Yeah. So it too is something for somebody that just wants to go out and do a little competition or mm-hmm. have something very unique. I mean, cause obviously if you're looking for uh pure performance, there's a lot of stuff on the market that I mean, probably is a better daily driver, including the new Corvette. I'm not sure it'd be that bad of a daily driver. I mean, how mm-hmm. annoying was the noise factor inside? I it couldn't be that bad. I didn't drive it on the street. I had a helmet on the whole time when I was driving on the track. So I couldn't really give you a, uh, an honest, um, I heard it was pretty one. difficult under normal conditions to have a conversation. Yeah, I could see that because they did take some of the sound deadening out too. Um, but I could probably live you with You could it. live with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean. Gee, what a tough life we yeah, have. Seriously. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's move on now to our lightning round where we have two minutes to debate uh, a trending automotive topic. When time's up, you're going to hear this. Thank you, Patrick, the man with the bell. Okay. We Got often it. spent – what? What? I got it. What? what? <laughs> Carry on. We often spend time talking about the next big thing in transportation, solar panels, uh, parking lots with autonomous cars parking, and whatever else that you come to your mind. Okay. What's the one piece of technology that's becoming available today that you think is overlooked, underrated, and might actually end up being something very much mainstream in the next few years. Who wants to take a stab at that? Mm, I mean, every car is eventually going to be autonomous. I mean, half the cars now have all the systems in place. Uh, autonomous meaning there. self-driving. Well, yeah, to a certain less. extent, not letting you hit anything or anyone. Uh, more so, I mean, everything's got uh, automatic braking now and warnings and I think. Do you like that though? Do you like those? Do you like automatic I mean, braking systems? To me, I like. I don't like all the warnings because I get false warnings all the time. Not, the, I'm not saying I'm a bad I driver. Those right off. No, but well, the, I, lane, lane departure. Lane yeah. departure is driving that. you crazy. I hate that, yeah. 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 Well, and even if you go, we have uh, Acura RLX in right now, and just driving on a, a road where cars are parked along the side, it constantly triggers a warning that you're going to rear end a car that's parked in the side, and you have plenty of room at. You know that really annoys me, but obviously, if it saved my life one day, I would. I'm sure I would love it. So I don't know. So what do you like though? If you had to pick one, what's your favorite? Uh, one? Noisy cars that are made for no. the track. <laughs> we don't like we've been talking about. All, you like sound detonation. You know, auto braking. Uh, I think has a place because um, low speed rear end accidents. Uh, of course, it probably just gives people another excuse to be texting or talking on their cell phone. But the very first accident I ever had was a low-speed rear-end accident. I probably had over my life several of them. And you're thinking, gee, wouldn't it have been nice? I mean, it was generally 
because the car in front of me started and then stopped. Wouldn't it be nice to have a system that kind of kept you from being a stupid human trick uh, <laughs> once in a while? So I can see if those systems become a true automatic stop, not just a slow uh, that that could be something. That well, would be Distronic working. might be for you. Was that in heavy traffic? <laughs> you know, when I you hate Distronic. You. Uh, you don't uh, like radar it? cruise control, I really yeah, hate it because wow. you, you're like cruising it. along and all of a sudden the car starts to slow down and you're thinking, why the heck is the car slowing down? I don't, I don't yeah, like it. It's impossible in traffic because yeah. people just cut in front of you. Leave exactly. someone's face, people cut in front of you, then you back up, yeah. someone else cuts in front, and you just constantly yeah, lose space. It's, I find Distronic just not as annoying as everything's a race. If you're driving like cross-country, and there's, you know, you're in the Nobody Midwest there. with no traffic, then yeah, it's great, but not for daily use. I don't think we have a consensus. I don't here, even yeah. know if good. we answered that I like question. blind. Yeah, yeah I don't if we, we can come did, back, but I'll just yeah. all right. Blind spot two minutes monitor. I do like blind, I like blind spot monitor. monitor. That's that's okay. I'm not, surprised that yeah. it's it's not more frequent. Like in more cars, it just seems like something so simple yet so helpful, and it doesn't seem that complicated. I don't understand why more cars don't offer it yet. Mm. Seems I don't either. And backup cameras are going to be mandated, so yeah. that's one we're going to see more mainstream. Yeah, backup cameras, I think, are here to stay. And frankly, now, over the weekend, I had a rental car, a nice Toyota Camry. It was a rental car, and it was well-loaded. It had no backup camera. And I got in it, and I really felt like, this car's not – what's wrong? Yeah. You know, He's like, I actually have to use the mirrors properly. And so, unfortunately, we've, we are using backup cameras as a, um, an excuse, I guess, not to look in the mirrors. All right, let's move on. <laughs> now that we beat that yeah, to I death. Could, I could go more on that. Okay, time. Leron has written on our sp- Facebook page a question. That, we have a um, Facebook page. We do. We do have a Everyone Facebook page. Everyone should check page. it out. Yeah. And it is Maybe a very a good home computer. Facebook page. <laughs> you wouldn't know that we had a Facebook page. <laughs> he has to give away his abacus first. He still writes letters. Okay, Leron writes and asks whether we think hybrids have peaked in popularity and is the craze slowing or will the newest round of hybrid supercars like the LaFerrari and the Porsche 918 and the McLaren P1 propel hybrids even more into the mainstream? Well, okay, we'll start with – who wants to start with this? Hybrids, I think, are here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different variants now, whether you're full hybrid, light hybrid, plug-in hybrid, mild hybrid, auto-stop start hybrid. hybrid. I mean, uh, yeah, they're going to become more and more popular for sure. It's just the engine choice now. The uh, what's coming down the pike with fuel economy regulations for every car and truck out there is going to force manufacturers to be looking at hybrids. I mean, they're going to look at eight-speed transmissions, three-cylinder vehicles, diesels, all of that. But in the end, having some electrification through some form of hybrid is pro- is the absolute only way that this fleet uh, uh, we have uh, vehicles here in this country is going to meet the CAFE rules. Now, if you get a different administration and they get thrown out. That's something else again. But you can already look around at a few products like over at Lincoln and some others where uh, the hybrid powertrain is standard. And I think that's going to increase. I, I, I have a problem with the mild hybrids. I really don't I think they're dead. understand. Like this uh, XB Crosstrek hybrid that we have yeah. now is very mild hybrid. I think it only goes like EV only up to like 10 miles an hour or yeah. something like that. And it, then – it just seems like the fuel economy gains are so minimal that why did they 
put the it's almost like it. it has mm-hmm. all the bad things that are associated with a hybrid and like a, only a few of the good ones right. like it, <laughs> you don't get don't, enough go big or go home yeah. like, you don't you go doing? get yeah i mean people buy a hybrid they're expecting a big jump in fuel economy and i think mild hybrids especially the ones that gm was building for a while gave them a bad name then you had a few from mercedes and and they didn't seem to do anything um the xv seems to be like tiptoeing it's like it's equipped to be a real hybrid but it doesn't quite have uh, the battery to do it and the engine's still a little bit large it's just the standard motor isn't it i think so and yeah, so. so you're sort of saying to do a real hybrid you need to downside the in- size the internal combustion engine and give it a decent electric motor and battery yeah you don't necessarily have to downsize the engine i mean i I think Toyota has been pretty very good successful. With packaging their, uh, well, you can engines. you don't need necessarily need like a two and a half liter. You can get by with a one eight or a one six or something like that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I just I think plug in hybrids to me are the most intriguing. I mean, you mm-hmm. get the benefits of an electric car, uh, but yet you've got the gas engine when you need it. I think that's that to me should become more mainstream. I realize it's more expensive to go that route and you need more space for batteries but but you know i don't understand that let's stop there for a second because a plug-in hybrid is this i mean does it necessarily have to have uh i guess it has to have somewhat bigger battery or you can't make it justify it but to me any hybrid take a prius hybrid i mean it's uh i don't understand that why at the end of the day when maybe you've depleted the battery you can't plug it in just to rejuvenate that battery so you don't have to be charging it up while you're driving it. I don't get it. Well, so. you can't get a plug-in Prius hybrid. Well, yeah, but it has well, a bigger battery and it's yeah. a lot more expensive. Yeah. I don't understand why you can't take the basic Prius-style hybrid today or Ford Fusion, whatever you want, and put a plug on it. And because it would have some value of being able to top off the battery when you're at home. Agreed. Anyway, but I think hybrids are here to stay, and we're going to see a whole lot more of them uh, as we go forward. But we don't have a whole lot more time. We've pretty much exhausted that on this MotorWeek podcast number 99. And we'll be back soon with our 100th podcast, and a special guest will be joining us, hopefully, on that podcast. But today I want to thank our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and our podcast producer sitting right here at the table, the man with the bell, Patrick Lucas. You guys are welcome. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks to everyone that has joined us today. Thanks to our underwriters. We hope you get a chance to watch Motor Week both on public television and on Velocity. Till next time, I'm John Davis for all of us. At MotorWeek. Thanks for listening and watching. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org and watch MotorWeek television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.